0: I love meeting somebody who's passionate about a place that most people don't give a second thought to. And today, we're going to talk about Finland. Finland is a place that people who know it are really excited about it, but a lot of people just flat out don't know it. I'm joined by Fred Plotkin, and Fred is quite well-known for his expertise on opera all over the Western world and on Italy. He's a gourmet travel writer for Italy. And Fred has a secret passion, and it's the Nordic end of Europe. Fred Plotkin joins us today to talk about Finland, the Song of the North, as he calls it. Thanks for joining us, Fred. Thank you. Wonderful to be back. You know, it's not surprising that somebody would love Italy. Everybody loves Italy. And you love Finland. How can an Italophile be excited about Finland? Well, in
1: fact, I love all the Nordic countries. As someone who grew up in the United States, in New York City specifically, I actually encountered Norwegian food first. And it built my passion for these people who are... Innately fair, very egalitarian, democratic all across Scandinavia and Finland, which is a Nordic country. It's not Scandinavian. Finland is distinct for many reasons, but one is it really loves the arts. No country in the world gives more money per capita to the arts than does Finland. So everyone can read music. Everyone loves classical music. Everyone loves opera, jazz, rock. You name it, they're into it. So a music lover has to go to Finland.
0: Now, you point out that it's the only country in that area that never had a monarchy. How would that uh, uh, change the people?
1: It's so interesting for that because, remember, Russia had a monarchy, Sweden, Denmark, Poland, even Norway got a monarchy sooner or later. Finland never had one, so therefore the people relate to one another in a completely equal, egalitarian way. And when there's no boss, no monarchy setting the tone, you have to be self-supportive. There was no state, in effect, to say to you that this is how things will be done. So the Finns took care of one another. It's a very collaborative society. There's something called Transparency International that every year rates countries for their ethics and honesty. And Finland always comes in number one.
0: Wow. So you call the Finns an egalitarian people. What do you you mean exactly in this context?
1: I mean that everyone is equal. There's a sauna that I like to go to in Helsinki. And on any given day, you might find a street sweeper, a banker, the former president. And in a sauna, everyone's equal. You sit on a towel, you take in the same air, you exhale in the same air. And there's a sense that we all belong to the same place, which is Finland, or, on a broader scale, to the earth. The Finns are incredibly in tune to the environment, which is another thing that I love about them.
0: It's a beautiful breath of fresh air to go to a a country that that sort of writes its own rules as far as how to be sustainable and how to be egalitarian. And they've got, um, must be one of the most highly taxed corners of Europe, and their president, I think, who's a woman now, is uh, quite popular.
1: She looks like Conan O'Brien, actually. And as a matter of fact, Conan O'Brien went to Finland and they did a (laughs) program about being separated at birth. Her name is Tadia Halonen, and she is the female version of Conan O'Brien. She's very popular. There was a period recently where the prime minister, the mayor of Helsinki, and the president were all women. That's very forward-thinking.
0: And when we think about Finland, we think of design and technology. This is the home of Nokia, probably the most wireless country in Europe. Uh, Give me your thoughts on that.
1: Well, you know, the cell phone, the mobile phone, was invented for reindeer herders many years ago when they needed to communicate across hundreds of miles of tundra. And there was no one in between except forest and reindeer herds, so they developed this technology Hmm. for them to speak. Last summer, I was in Finland, and I was on a little island in the Gulf. And on that island was a cottage, a sauna, and that's it. And I turned on my American cell phone, and I was able to call my mother in New York. That's how high-tech the country is. It's put to good service. It's not excessive.
0: And there's a lot of companies that just never are hardwired. It's just wireless from the start, isn't it?
1: Exactly so. When you meet a Finn, he gives you his mobile number, Every Finn is reachable anywhere in the world. Wow.
0: Now, Finland, we think of it as Scandinavia, but technically, would you call it Nordic rather than Scandinavian?
1: It's Nordic because it's in the same geography, similar topography, but the people of Finland we think came from northwestern Siberia, and they arrived many thousands of years ago. They look different. Their eyes are a little more almond-like, The chin, the nose is somewhat different, and the language is completely different. It's indecipherable. And in fact, when Finland was under Swedish domination and then Russian domination, they were not allowed to speak Finnish. Hmm. So they developed a song tradition, just like slaves in the American South, that when they couldn't speak, they would sing. And they sang in their language. And that's why the Finns are all natural singers.
0: So now their language is uh, really sort of an odd duck in Europe. I understand they're related to, what, Estonian and Turkish Hung- and Hungarian,
1: Hungarian and, and Estonian.
0: So that, is that Finno-Ugric? Yes. And that would originate east of the Ural Mountains, so almost yes. mo- almost Mongolia.
1: They're often called Uralic languages.
0: Okay. But they're east of the Urals. you're right. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves, and we're joined by Fred Plotkin, and we're talking about Finland. Fred has a website, uh, hisname.com, fredplotkin.com, F-R-E-D-P-L-O-T-K-I-N.com, where he shares his writing and his passion for all things cultural, it seems. Uh, He's into Nordic Europe. He's into Finland, of course. He's an expert on opera and on gourmet eating all the way through Italy. Fred, when people go to Finland, they generally just go to Helsinki, but there's a lot of treats outside of Helsinki. In your writing, you call the countryside like summer camp for adults.
1: Well, I, I didn't realize that until I went there a few years ago, and it was an idyllic July day, and I was in Savonlinna, and I went swimming in the lake, and then hiking in the forest, and then rowing, and then caught a fish, and then cooked the fish, and then went to the opera. Yeah. And that's what makes a summer camp for adults. They have the best opera festival in Finland there. This summer, I was in a town, and I'm not making this name up, called Tuna the best name I've ever heard of a town, Mm -hmm. and near Snappertuna in the Baltic, I was allowed to pick berries and wild mushrooms because any forest is open to any fin so that you can go there and gather your berries and your mushrooms. Caught a fish with friends. It was prepared, and while it was prepared, we sat in the sauna Mm. and then went swimming in the Baltic, which was 57 degrees, all nude. Uh, so it's for adults. You know,
0: this this <laughs> takes me back to... I've only been north of uh, Helsinki once, but Savonlina is like... It's halfway to the Arctic Circle, it seems like, yes. and it's near the Russian border in a lakes district where there's just vast, what, birch forests, and... Uh, Finland has
1: 188,000
0: lakes. And there's an opera festival here in, in what seems like the middle of nowhere, and you've got this wonderful just love of culture and good life. I was impressed when you wrote that you were impressed by the cuisine up there, and then I realized it's related to, you know, berries of the forest and mushrooms and the, and the short, intense growing season. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, you know, when you're in Italy, a lot of the funghi porcini that you taste are actually gathered by Italians who go to Finland. And as I said, because all mushrooms and berries in the forest are free. So people go wandering through there and gather up riches that are then cooked or reused. But the idea is that with all of these forests up there, with endless silence and beauty, the forest gives so much, and to the fins the forest is spiritual, because they hear silence and i always say that the first point in music is silence and silence is not the absence of sound it's just a different kind of sound and the finns are very meditative very reflective in the forests but then when they come out and they go swimming in the lakes they are a lot more frolicsome
0: you know that's it's interesting excuse me you said the forests were spiritual to the Finns, and i was just in estonia which is just a fast hour away on a boat and their cemeteries are in the forests. And that goes back to pre-Christian times when they just felt like the forests were the spirits and they would uh, rise again in the trees or something like that. Does that relate to the Finnish culture?
1: It does, but also another way, too, is that the Finns have an ancient breed of cattle that are known as forest cattle. And when the original people arrived in Finland, the cows were already there living in the forest as wild cattle. They're very beautiful, even by cow standards. I don't know how you feel (laughs) about cows, But these cows have beautiful eyelashes and lovely eyes, and they're very sweet. And there are 500 left, and now they're maintaining and developing the herds again. But they provide beautiful milk, beautiful meat, and the Finns revere these cattle, and they are of the forest. Birds are of the forest. You don't really know Finland until you go to the forest and it's something I recommend to anyone.
0: If you go to Helsinki, you see these Finns walking around with their wireless technology and super successful and super sleek and modern and affluent, and uh, you talk uh, about them as if they are connected to their sort of earthy, forested roots. Do you find that even the urbanites have a connection to their natural surroundings?
1: Absolutely. Every Finnish friend I have has a house either by a lake or in the forest, and when you're a country of 5.4 million people, And the nation is the size of New England, New York, and New Jersey put together. There's plenty of room. So everyone has space. Hmm. And when you have that kind of space, your relationship to one another is very different. People in Helsinki, which has about a million people, think, oh, my God, it's so urban, so crowded, so noisy. And I remind them that I'm from New York, which has a metro area of about 15 to 16 million people. It's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. The people of Helsinki are very cultured, but they're also very, they're used to sort of being quiet in their way. People in Helsinki can be very outgoing, but the tradition is that Finns are rather shy. And there's an old joke that how can you tell an extrovert Finn from an introvert Finn? The extrovert Finn looks at your shoes when he talks to you, not his own. Whoa,
0: that says a lot. When you're talking about the uh, passion for gathering and foraging in the forests to get the foundation for their cuisine, you also talk about the short and intense growing season. And I I had never thought about this before, but you're in the land of the midnight sun, and and that means 24 hours of sunshine a day, but that's just for a short time. What's the biology there if you're a farmer?
1: Well, from late May to early July, there's sun all the time. So if you're planting crops such as berries or even baby carrots or things that might be intensely flavored— You plant them so they get full sun in that period of May and June and early July, and suddenly these things have an intense color and an intense flavor. They're not big, so finished strawberries and finished carrots will be tiny, but you will never taste anything as intense as these. And when you become spoiled by that, it's very hard to go back to our generic long-term growth berries and foods that we have here
0: in the States. My goodness, so you can take that into consideration when you're shopping through the market right in Helsinki that you're going to get some pretty intense strawberries. Magnificent, but just for a couple of weeks in July. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Fred Plotkin about Finland, the Song of the North. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves, and we're joined by Fred Plotkin, and Fred Plotkin is an expert in many things cultural and European, and today we're talking about Finland, a place he has a particular passion for, Finland, the Song of the North. Our phone number is 877-333-R-I-C-K, and you can email us at radio at ricksteves.com. Christopher's on the line in Atlanta, Georgia. Christopher, thanks for your call. Thank
1: you. My question is, how do you adapt to living in Finland, being in Finland, for an extensive period of time as opposed to other European countries? Well, one question for you is, are you married? No. You should marry a Finn. That's the best way to adapt to Finland because they'll help you get into everything. That sounds a bit glib, but it's not. The Finns, they recognize that their society is so completely different, even from Sweden, and that their language is impenetrable. But they're very eager to help. They do speak English, but they want you to try to get out a few words in Finnish. So, uh, kitos means thank you, and ravintola means restaurant. But beyond that, the way to adapt is to really get used to the hours. If you're there in winter, for example, and you know that there'll only be sun from 10 until 3, orient your days so you're out at those hours. In summertime, when it's completely sunny all the time and bright, I often go swimming at 2.30 in the morning because that's when my friends all go swimming. You get an energy at that time of the year that's terrific and it's so life-affirming. And you seem to save that energy for the darker months. But in the darker months, the Finns are very sociable. There are beautiful restaurants, there's great food, and so much cultural life to attend to that you're never isolated. They're very nice. That's the key thing, is that they're very welcoming.
0: Christopher, why do you ask, um, how do you adapt to Finland?
1: Uh, Well, because I'm relocating to Finland in uh, the first part of April. I have never been to Finland. Uh, And since I've never been to Finland, I thought it would be best to ask someone who has spent some serious time there so I don't make any uh, cultural mistakes while I'm there.
0: You know, it's interesting that a small nation like Finland, how many million people in Finland, Fred? Five million or something?
1: There are 5.4 million.
0: 5.4 million. They have a resilient culture that has stood up against Swedish uh, imperialism and Russian imperialism and the modern onslaught of English and globalization. Do you feel, Fred, that the unique culture of Finland can persevere?
1: Absolutely, and that's helped in part by the languages, the fact that their language is unique to them and not transferable to anything else. I would further say, though, to Christopher, that apart from being kind, which is what we should do anywhere, remember that the Finns are egalitarian. To them, every person is equal, and you will be accorded kindness, but there's not the same kind of individualism of going solo that we Americans have, where we become stars, we become protagonists of our own lives. The Finns are collaborative. Hmm. And if you make yourself part of a social compact, you are more successful. For example, recently I, I was in Finland and went to a public school to study what the kids were doing in public school. And everybody, myself included, all the adults lined up in a line, I thought for lunch. Then I realized it was to wash my hands, because everybody has to wash their hands. Then you join another line, and you line up for lunch. Hmm. Because I was a visitor, because I was an American, none of that mattered. I had to stand in line with everyone else, hmm. and that's how it should be. So if we get used to no one being special, then everyone is special.
0: If you got that rugged individualist American trait, that might be a way you can annoy your Finnish friends. Yes. Christopher, thanks for your call. Thank you very much, Rick. Good luck. Pleasure. I want to talk about the arts. You mentioned earlier that the Finnish government provides more money per capita for the arts than any other European country.
1: Any country in the world. The only ones that come close are Austria and France. Wow. And the reason for that is that the Finns recognize that their unique language and history can be fostered if everyone can read music and therefore be acquainted with Finnish musical culture. But also, when you have a language that is so rare... You publish books in that language. You make films in that language. It becomes a means of expression for a small nation where people see who they are by seeing what their artists have to say. They also have in Helsinki the Helsinki Festival every August, which is one of the three big cultural festivals in Europe along with Edinburgh and Salzburg. Those are more famous, but the Helsinki Festival is just as valid, Hmm. and it's international. It's just not Finnish art.
0: Wow. In August, you can go to the Helsinki International Music Festival. Yes. Talk more about the impact of the domination by Sweden and Russia over the centuries, where locals were discouraged to speak their own language, how that makes the music sort of a a way that they uh, act out their nationality. Sweden
1: dominated and was in Finland for 700 years, and they created a Swedish theater, and, and Finland really was a supplier of products to Sweden. So, for example, when the Swedes came to America and built New Sweden, Pennsylvania, those were mostly Finns. And it was the Finns who introduced the log cabin to America. But Sweden got the credit. Hmm. Similarly, the Russian Empire dominated Finland for about a century and a quarter. And when you have all of these outside languages and people building theaters where Swedish and Russian are spoken but not Finnish... The Finns came up with their own musical repertory, their own national epic called the Kalevala, hmm. which is a great series of Nordic stories about the forest, about the spirits in the lakes and the ocean and the gods of Nordic Finland. And just as the Swedes created their gods, the Finns had their gods in Kalevala. The Kalevala is also stories of human behavior, of how to take care of one another. The Finns are very proud of being rather rugged in their own way, but collectively. There's a term in Finnish called Sisu, S-I-S-U, which means how you approach a problem. So while if you and I were to come up to a wall, you might say, let's walk to the end of the wall and walk around it. I might say, let's get a pole vault and go over the wall. The Finn proudly would say, I'm going to bang into that wall and bang, bang, bang until I push through (laughs) the wall. That is Finnish character.
0: You're making me remember my visit to the Finnish National Gallery in Helsinki, and there was a whole series of dramatic, patriotic murals celebrating scenes from this Kalevala.
1: Yes, it's everywhere. People are named for characters in the Kalevala. Jean Sibelius, their greatest of many great composers, wrote the Kulervo Symphony, which is based on a story from the Kalevala. Everything that he created practically was drawn from that. To them, it's their other language, just the way many Christians and Jews quote the Bible, Muslims quote the Quran, and they speak with familiarity and warmth about those sources. The Finns speak that way about the Kalevala.
0: So that's the roots that give their culture validity, almost, is having... It's their identity. Their deep, deep roots. Now, another thing that contributes to their passion for this uniquely Finnish sort of musical culture is this history of having no monarchy and therefore no court musicians. So, as you write, the people were more connected with nature and more inward-looking with their music.
1: Finland produces, on average, 14 world premiere operas every year. Only the United States matches that, but we are 300 million people. The Finns create new operas all the time, and they seem always to be set in the forest. They seem about a struggle against the elements and a reconciliation with the elements. They're about family relations. They're intimate things. They're not, for example, like Verdi, where you have kings and queens Mm. and rivalries at court or Wagner with gods of all times. With the Finns, it's about human beings. It's on a human
0: dimension. I'm Rick Steves. This is with Rick Steves. We're talking with Fred Plotkin, who is an expert on opera and classical music and European culture. We're talking about Finland. Fred, if I'm listening to some Finnish music, even not by Sibelius, but just anything turned out that's really classic Finnish music, and I close my eyes, I can hear forced murmurs and waterfalls and the silence of the Arctic as kind of a deliberate expression of these people's national character then.
1: Rick, I'm glad you said close your eyes. I always encourage people to do that when they listen to music and especially Finnish music. And I can't tell you how many times I go to a concert and the person next to me nudges me telling me to wake up. (laughs) But you are correct that the best way to hear music in its absolute purity is with eyes shut. So there are no distractions. And yes, then you suddenly get this incredible panorama of space, of nature, of waterfalls, of all the things that we picture, of the incredible smells of the forest. It, it's such a, a
0: tactile country in its way, and that's
1: part of why I love it.
0: But with a little basis for understanding, a little nudge from your teacher, like in this case you, the travel writer, the person who goes to a concert in Finland can, can be aware that they're listening for nature, they're listening for the roots of what it is to be Finnish.
1: Yes, and in fact, when you're sitting in these concert halls, and, and Helsinki has many, And every little town around Finland has a concert hall that's been purpose-built and made of wood so that even if you're in a town of 400 people, you too can go hear a concert. That is part of the idea of how money is spent for culture.
0: Oh, yeah, and you mentioned this nation of 5 million people. There's over 150 music schools in the small country. Yes.
1: Every child I met reads music.
0: Now, when you listen to... Well, when a Finn listens to Sibelius, Jean Sibelius, and they play Finlandia, right? That's almost their national anthem, I suppose... You're right, it brings tears to a Finn.
1: It does indeed. I happened to be at a party the other night here in New York that had a lot of Finns at it in celebration of a national day, and they played Finlandia, and everyone burst into tears. These allegedly unemotional Finns were sobbing just at the sound of the music. Now, here they were stuck in New York when they wanted to be back in Finland because, wonderful though New York is, Finland for them has this incredible magnetic pull and i see ah. that in my finnish friends
0: so when you when you think of sibelius this goes back to a national resurgence in the 19th century when when finnish culture is its very existence is threatened i think and a, and a small nation has to turn into its culture into its music to sort of even survive
1: what was ironic is that the piece finlandia that he wrote generically as being inspired by the land of finland was premiered in the Swedish theater in Helsinki and that in itself was a revolutionary act. Wow. And it came to be known later as Finlandia. Huh. Sibelius knew that the people would hear it and be aroused by huh. the classically Finnish sounds and that's what inspired them was that they got the message without being told what the message was.
0: You know, later on the Soviet Union censored composers that could stir people's feelings like that, maybe after learning during Tsarist times what Finland could do to stir their own spirit.
1: That's right. That's right. Well, in other words, you know, tensions became so difficult with the Soviet Union, it got to be Finlandia on the rocks. My goodness.
0: Now, I was in Helsinki a little while ago where I saw a demonstration. I thought, my goodness, I've never seen Finns demonstrating. The, The streets were filled with people, and they're all marching They're marching to the steps of the Lutheran Cathedral, and then I saw them there, and what they told me was this is the annual massing of the choirs when all the choirs from all the different churches get together on the huge, sprawling steps of their national cathedral, and they have a celebration of their music and their choral hymns, and then they break into small groups and they have this action called bring choral music to the pubs. And they all stand yes. out through the whole town and they invaded all the little pubs and they had them turn off their boxes and they sang to them live choral music.
1: There are men's choirs, women's choirs, children's choirs, mixed choirs, every imaginable kind of choir in Finland. Hmm. Again, this notion of being a collective, not in the socialist sense, but the sense of belonging to a larger whole. How better to do that than adding your voice to a group of voices Mm. to express something in unison? That is the Finnish model.
0: There's a power for that, and I think their Baltic uh, sisters across the sea there in Estonia realized that when they sang to help bring down the Soviet Union. My Estonian friends told me there's just a million of us, and when you're lodged between Germany and Russia without weapons, you just got to sing to let people know you exist, and half of they all the do. Estonian people would gather together and sing these outlawed hymns, I suppose just like the Finns were doing. I'm talking with Fred Plotkin. We're talking about Finland. Our phone number is 877-333-RICK. You can email us at radio at ricksteves.com. Anne Lombardi's on the line in Atlanta. And thanks for your call.
1: Thank you so much. I was really interested in uh, Lapland or Sami country Have you had a lot of experiences there? And what's your take on it? Is it
0: disappearing fast and furiously?
1: I have been in what is known as Sami, S-A-M-I, land. And these are the ancient peoples who actually lived there before the other peoples arrived. And it extends from Norway through Sweden to Finland and even a little bit of northern Russia. And the largest town is actually in Norway. It's called Kautikeno. And I happened to be in Kautikeno one late March around Easter time because the tradition among the Sami people is that they do all of their weddings at that time and they slaughter a reindeer or more and they make something called bidos, B-I-D-O-S, which is their reindeer stew. And it always goes to the oldest woman in the town to direct the making of the bidos. And I got to speak to this very old woman And I asked her, what is the recipe for beetles, And she laughed at me, and she said, it's very easy. Take a reindeer, cut it in half, add water. But obviously, it's much more than that. But other things that happen with the Sami that I love are when they really like you and want to express their admiration for you, they give you two things. One is a knife, a beautiful Sami knife that they make by hand. And it's an indication that if they will give you a weapon, They trust you that much that you would not use it against them. So a knife is an expression of friendship and peace. And then if they really like you, they give you what's called a yoik, J-O-I-K. A yoik is a song that they compose on the spot and is dedicated just to you. So I have a Sami knife and I have a yoik. Hmm. The people are, are very beautiful and they have their own costumes and their own music. And they really follow their own rhythms, and they are, in effect, the indigenous people of the north. And to answer your question, is their culture dying out? I would say that it's not, but it's being affected more by things such as global warming and the fact that they are herding traditions, these are people who migrate, are being affected by the changes in the landscape and where their animals can feed. Mm. That, to me, is the big worry more than anything about communications or mass media in terms
0: of affecting their culture. And thanks for your call. Thank you. Yeah. Fred, when you go to Helsinki, you find these stately restaurants that incorporate beautiful design and beautiful cuisine. Tell me about your favorite.
1: I love the Savoy restaurant on the Esplanade, which is the Park Avenue of Helsinki. It was designed by Alvar Alto down to the last fork and spoon. It has a wonderful view, and they are the guardians of traditional Finnish cooking. There's a dish called for schmack, which is a combination of herring and lamb. Don't knock it until you've tried it. Beautiful crayfish, beautiful herring of all types. Really the peak of dining experience in Helsinki.
0: Now, when you're talking about Alvar Alto, that's very uh, minimal kind of sleek. Um, how, how would you describe his style?
1: Form and function together, but with beauty. He created these little vases that are shaped like flowers, and and they're iconic symbols. Marimekko is another icon of Finnish design, and it all pieces together in Finland so that they're useful always. It's not just about looking fancy, but always about practicality, and that is Alvaralto.
0: When I was in the Savoy restaurant, I happened to be there during the season when they were having their crayfish festival, and these people were Mm. so passionate about their crayfish, and it was quite expensive but it was just crayfish and vodka. Tell me about that.
1: Either crayfish and vodka or sometimes schnapps or other things. Basically, you boil lots of crayfish, and then there's a method that the Finns taught me to basically splaying open the crayfish, pulling out the meat, and just savoring it, perhaps with a bit of melted butter. And after that, you have a big bowl of berries that is eating at the maximum. It is
0: magnificent. Wow. So your crayfish, your Oliver Alto design, your fresh berries from the forest, immersed in Finnish culture. Fred Plotkin, as always, you've inspired me to get more tuned into a different slice of European culture. People who want to learn more about Fred's work, they can visit his website, simply fredplotkin.com, F-R-E-D-P-L-O-T-K-I-N.com. Fred, I'm heading for Finland. I'm in the mood for some crayfish.
1: My mouth is watering. Thanks so much. Thank you.